Okay, so Exodus 32. I have, well, I'll say that when I get there. <clears throat> so let's begin with verse 1. When the people saw that Moses was late in coming down from the mountain. Now this is called impatience. Nobody told him how long he was going to be gone. Now we know from reading other parts that he was gone 40 days and 40 nights. But people started saying, where is this guy? He's been gone too long. Uh, so when the people saw that Moses was late in coming down from the mountain, the people gathered. Okay, now there's a word here. They either gathered against Aaron or around Aaron. It's an interesting word in the Hebrew text. Most of the time it is used in a context of hostility. In that case, it would be translated, they gathered against Aaron. The other way it could be translated is that uh, they gathered around him. They were, they were seeking him to lead them and to give them support in what they wanted to do. You can take it the way you want to, you know, uh, because it doesn't keep the event from happening either way. The only thing is, one could say, well, Aaron kind of felt in a dangerous situation, and so two and a half million people were saying, we need you to do something and do it now, and he kind of felt compelled to do it. I don't know. Uh, that's the only thing you could uh, think about there. Uh, Come on, make us gods that will go before us. And let me stop right there. Um, they're not that far removed from... Uh, uh, Egypt and in Egypt the the way that people would and they're not that far removed from going to battle as a matter of fact when you read the language you'll see that uh, the Israelites saw their campaign against Egypt when they got away from it and they saw the destruction of Pharaoh's army they, looking back they thought of it as an as a as a military campaign it wasn't really that. It wasn't designed for that. It was to free them from bondage. They sort of saw it as a military. And Moses was there leading them. You know, he had his staff and he stopped the water, he parted the water and all that kind of stuff. Um, then again, when they fought Amalek at, at what, Rephidim? Um, anyway, when they fought, fought Amalek, Moses was there. And you remember, he was up there and somebody held his, had to hold his hands up and all that. Now they're closing in on Canaan and their belief is apparently Canaan is also to be seen as a military campaign. They're, gonna, they're, they're seeing campaign as something they're going to have to fight for. Uh, now with that in mind, they're looking around and they don't have Moses. So you'll see how they address him. Make us gods that'll go before us because this man Moses, that's kind of indifferent. It is, and Hebrews calls to tell you this was, a, this was a detached way to talk about Moses. So they're seeing him just, you know, hey, the guy that's supposed to be leading us, he ain't here and we're ready to go, man. So that's where you get in trouble. That's where you get in trouble. 
I had a smart preacher tell me one time, he said, you know what? Because he had made the mistake of feeling like he needed to do something even if it was wrong. You know, we got to do something, man. We just can't. He said, I, I have learned that if you don't know what to do, don't do anything, especially in the Lord's work. If you don't know what to do, wait. You'll, he'll give you something to do. Uh, so these people are impatient. They're still, they are still uh, calculating things according to the way of the world. Now in their... Um, in, in their way of looking at things, they had to have an image which represented their God to go ahead of them. And this was supposed to scare the people. You know, hey, our God is great. You can't do anything about him. So this is what they want. All right. This man, Moses, who brought us up from the land of Egypt, we don't know what has become of him. Uh, now, remember, they have this... They have this, uh, these instructions, don't touch the mountain, leave us alone, don't come up here, I'm going to be busy for a while. He disappears into the dark cloud, dark cloud's still there. Uh, but here's, here's the problem. These people who are not prepared spiritually or any other way to begin a venture in the name of the Lord, it's kind of like what we studied about, in, about the Israelites in 1 Samuel a few, time, a few weeks ago when they just decided to go fight the Philistines. You know, we got to do something. So he said, he brought us up in the land of Egypt. We don't know what's become of him. Aaron said to them, remove the golden earrings that are on the ears of your wives, your sons, your daughters, and bring them those earrings to me. And all sorts of people stripped themselves. Now there's another, there's another interesting translation issue here. Your Bible may say, and it would say it correctly, all the people. Does it say all the people? But when you study it out, there are early rabbis, and, and, it's, and it's really a good point because we know the Levites didn't, they didn't participate in this. So if you say all the people, well, the Levites are part of all the people, and we find out that they didn't participate in this rebellion it's also translated in other places as all kinds of people, all sorts of people. Uh, bottom line, a whole bunch of them took off their golden earrings. They were on their ears and they brought them to Aaron. So uh, he took them and... Uh, from their hands, fashioned it with an engraving tool and made it into a molten calf. Okay, now, why, why a golden calf? You know, it was fashioned after bull. I read that the strong God of the military that always led them in Egypt was a bull. So the, the, the thought is they may have wanted to put the strongest thing that they could ever think of that would represent military action out in front of them. And to them, it was a young bull. So made it into a molten calf upon which they said, 
Uh, these are our gods or your gods, O Israel, who have brought you up from the land of Egypt. That's just awful. They think, they, I mean, it's, it reminds me of Jeroboam I in the northern kingdom of Israel after they broke off from Judah back in the days of Rehoboam, Solomon's son. Jeroboam wanted to give them Yahweh worship, but they weren't in the temple. And so he just took elements of other religions and said, we're going to make this like Yahweh. Well, it never did work. You know, it's idolatry. It leads to idolatry, which opens the door to all kinds of awful, sinful uh, behavior and attitudes. So these are your gods of Israel who brought you up from the land of Egypt. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar in front of it and proclaimed and said, Tomorrow shall be a festival to Yahweh. Now, this is crazy. Aaron is crazy. He's lost his mind. And we're going to see more about how bad his mind. He's the one that made it, right? Yeah. Yeah. He made it. Uh, and I don't know. Okay, if you get... Let me think about this. If you had about a million people who give up their earrings, I don't know. It don't seem like it don't seem like it'd be very bad. According to how big the earrings were, I guess. Uh, I, the the whole thing is just crazy. Because that's the way they saw it. I mean, you know. These are your had gods. A lot of gods. Yeah, Egypt had a lot of yeah, gods. But these are not Egyptians. No, it's right following what they had in Israel. It's a plural. There's no doubt about it. It's it is plural. It is, uh, who brought you up from the land of Egypt? Well, it just shows once you start going wrong and you don't have a course correction, there's it could get a lot worse. Yeah. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar in front of it. Tomorrow will be a festival to Yahweh. Now, Aaron takes a lot on himself, doesn't he? How are we going to have a festival? Now, there's nothing that Yahweh had sent down to the people that said tomorrow will be a, a festival day uh, for Yahweh. You know, you just can't fool around with Yahweh. You can't tell him how you're going to have a, fe a feast, and you can't tell him how you're going to do what you're going to do in his name. It doesn't, it doesn't work that way. Uh, and the, the people of God have always suffered from that. It's kind of like, again, what we studied in Samuel about the Ark of the Covenant. They just knew that God was in a box. And as long as they had the box, they could take God anywhere they wanted to take him. So, verse, uh, verse 6. On the next day they arose early, offered up burnt offerings and brought peace offerings, and the people sat down to eat and drink, and then they got up to play, make merry. Now, I was going to tell you earlier, I was told by a seminary professor that this was the origin of Southern Baptists. <laughs> they sat down to eat and rose up to play. <laughs> but I didn't believe him. <laughs> I, I remembered it. That's been a long time ago. Uh, that I heard that. So you can see that we have an origin in the Bible. Okay, uh, verse 7. 
And Yahweh said to Moses, go descend for your people that you have brought up from the land of Egypt have acted corruptly or perversely. Now the, the word here for, for corruption or perverse is an anti-covenant word. Here's what God is saying. They've already broken the covenant. Didn't take them long, did it? You remember just a few chapters back, God said, this is our covenant. And they said, anything you say, we'll do. God said, this is the covenant. That you're my people now and I'm your God. And here's what God is saying. <laughs> They've broken the covenant. Well, here's a secret that probably nobody knows yet. Israel suffers from idolatry all the way through the Old Testament. They never get it right. And this is a featured weakness of the Mosaic Covenant. It's got to be by grace or it can't be. You just, it's, it's sovereign God and grace. This is a sovereign God. He's way up there in that mountain, but he's also down there. He's everywhere. And he says, Moses, you got a problem. You know, the last person you want to have tell you that you got a church problem is God. <laughs> Moses, you got a problem. You, you, yeah, I love it. Yeah, that's it. Huh? What? <laughs> These ain't my people. Oh. They have quickly turned away from the path that I have commanded them. They made themselves a molten calf. They've prostrated themselves before it, slaughtered sacrifices to it, and said, These are our gods. These are your gods, O Israel, who have brought you up from the land of Egypt. Those things brought you up from the land of Egypt. Yahweh said to Moses, I have seen or I have observed these people. Now, what that means, that's a deep word. It means I have really inspected these people. I've, I've given them once over. And I want to tell you something. They're stubborn. They are stiff-necked. Okay. So Yahweh says, now leave me alone. And my anger... Now this, this is actually a very beautiful section that is here for the sake of the development of Moses. All right? God has said all along, I will deal with Mo Moses, Moses will deal with you. Okay, so Moses is his man. Now he says to Moses, leave me alone. My anger will be kindled against them so that I'll annihilate them and I'll make you a great nation. Moses, now let's, let's think about this. Moses is being offered what God had said to Abraham, right? So um, he says, I'm going to make you a great nation. I am going to do for you, we're going to start all over, make you a great nation, all right? So Moses... Go back one. You didn't read the last... I didn't... Did I, what, did I hit a, hit a flip? Sorry about that. Um... Moses is, he has to, God already knows. I mean, it's not like God is surprised that Moses is so humble and, and all. But here, something is revealed that really, that really tells us the kind of person 
that he is. So he says, I'll make you a great nation. Moses pleaded before Yahweh, his God. Yahweh el Yahweh, his God. And he said, Yahweh, why should your anger be kindled against your people? Look at what you've done already. You've brought them up from the land of Egypt with a great power, strong hand. Why should the Egyptians say he brought them out with evil intent? Did I just hit that yeah. thing again? Boy, I tell you, I'm breathing too hard on this thing. There. Uh, to kill them in the mountains and to annihilate them from upon the face of the earth. Retreat from the heat of your anger and reconsider the evil intended for your people. Moses intercedes for the people. Remember Abraham. Now, okay, so he goes back all the way through the book of Genesis, right? Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants, to whom you swore by your very self. You're about to kill all of their people. And we go back all these hundreds and hundreds of years. You made these covenants. You swore by your very self. To whom you said, I will multiply your seed like the stars of the heavens and all this land which I said that I would give to your seed. They shall keep it as their possession forever. That's what you said. Yahweh then relieved himself of the evil he had said he would do to his people. Now, now what about this? Okay, when God said, leave me alone, he was, he was speaking rhetorically uh, to Moses and now Moses strengthens the whole situation and especially his bond with Yahweh by exclaiming from himself, from within himself, your word cannot be undone. You know, there's another place. The psalmist says you have placed your word above your name. You think about that. So Moses is saying... Something's wrong here. You're contradicting yourself and you don't do that. You think about this. Yes. So Moses is proving that he knows exactly what's going on and that God's people indeed can be intervened and interceded for. And then in verse 14, the way the Hebrew would read would be like this. And then Yahweh relieved himself of the evil he had said he would do to his people. The whole thing was, was for the purpose of Moses and for Moses and then through Moses to the people for them to recognize what a serious breach they had made and how that God, if he wanted to, could just annihilate them and eliminate them right then. Now, of course, obviously, that's not part of his overall purpose. But this emboldens Moses and it, it makes... It makes the situation just exactly what it is, so extraordinarily dangerous. Okay, Moses turned, went down from the mountain, bearing the two tablets of the testimony in his hand, tablets inscribed from both their sides. On one side, on the other side, they were inscribed. Now, this was by the finger of God. What if you could find those broken pieces today? Ooh. I don't know if it would be in cursive or, or just straight up. Now the tablets were Elohim's work. And the inscription was Elohim's inscription engraved on the tablets. This 
is God's writing to Israel. God wrote it. When Joshua heard the voice of the people in there shouting, he said to Moses, we've been invaded. There's a, there's a voice of a battle in the camp. Moses said, no, this is not a voice of shouting victory, nor a voice of shouting defeat. A voice of merry chanting, I hear. So, now it can't, well, verse 19, so it came to pass when he drew closer to the camp and saw the calf and the dancing, the dances, that Moses' anger was kindled and he flung the tablets from his hands, shattering them at the foot of the mountain. I don't know if I've done that or not, <laughs> but anyway, it's, it's, he, was, he was ticked off. His anger was kindled. He saw the calf and the dancing. Now that tells me that they were headed in, I don't say that they were there yet, but they were headed into behavior that was, that was awful behavior. He saw the calf and he saw the dancing. And he knew, Moses grew up in it. He knew what this was, 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 he knew where it was headed. Then he took the calf they had made and he burned it in the fire and he ground it to fine powder and he scattered it upon the surface of the water and he gave it to the children of Israel to drink. Moses said to Aaron, what did this people do to you that you brought such a grave sin upon them? Now I love this guy. I don't love him. He's awful. Aaron replied, let not my Lord's anger grow hot. You know these people. They're disposed toward evil. They said to me, make us gods who will go before us because this man Moses who brought us up from the land of Egypt, we do not know what's become of him. And I said to them, who has gold? So they took it, the gold off. Didn't he call for it? Didn't he see this guy's? He's just crazy. He's lost his mind. And look at this. I threw all that into the fire and out came this calf. <laughs> yeah. Well, tell me, Aaron, do you have any more Egyptian property that you'd like to sell me? Out came this calf. Look at that. Look at, I mean, this guy. You know these people, they're disposed toward evil. They said to me, make us gods. Look how many of them there are. Because we don't know what to say. It's Moses' fault, right? Now it's Moses' fault. We don't know what happened to this man, this man Moses, who brought us up in the land of Egypt. We don't know what's become of him. So I said to him, well, who has gold? I threw it in the fire and out came this calf. Boy, I tell you, I think my kids have come across with better things than that <laughs> over the years. <laughs> Just, and Moses saw the people that they were exposed, for Aaron had exposed them to be disgraced before their adversaries. That means spiritually exposed. So Moses stood at the gate of the camp and said, Whoever is for Yahweh, let him come to me. And all the sons of Levi gathered round him. Now they were the priests. He said to them, So said Yahweh, the Lord God of Israel, Let every man place his sword upon his thigh and pass back and forth from one gate to the other in the camp and let every man kill his brother. Every man his friend 
and every man his kinsman. This was a, see, idolatry, it's an awful sin to let things get in the place of God, to think that you can manipulate God or that you can make God into something that you think he ought to be. The sons of Levi did according to Moses' word, and on that day 3,000 men fell from among the people. Moses said, Dedicate yourselves today to Yahweh, for each man has opposed his son and his brother, so that he may bestow a blessing upon you this day. Well, I'll bet when that invitation was offered, there was a cloud of dust and hundreds of thousands coming forward. It came to pass on the next day that Moses said to the people, You have committed a great sin. Now I'll go up to Yahweh and perhaps... I can make atonement for your sin. Moses returned to Yahweh and said, Please, this people committed a great sin. They have made themselves a God of gold. And now if you forgive their sins, but if not, strike me now from your book, which you have written. Yahweh said to Moses, Whoever has sinned against me, him I will strike from my book. Now what do you think about that? What book? Eh? <laughs> you think it's the book? God has lots of books. Okay, listen. These are the ones that I, I just did a little study in a hurry. These are the books of God that are mentioned in the Bible. Okay? The book of life, which is the book. The book of the living, that's different from the book of life. The book of remembrance, you do something especially obedient and good, God remembers it. The book of my, of my days, all of my days are written in a book. And you have written them there before they ever happened. Book of tears, God records the tears, and they're in a book. The book of Israel. God has a registry of Israel. The registry of heaven. Here's the book of life. And in Hebrews, what, chapter 12, those who are enrolled in heaven or who are registered in heaven. So here's the book of life from before the foundation of the world. It has a last name down there somewhere. You know, there's a last person. Here's the enrollment of heaven. Here's the registry of heaven. So here we go. We're getting there one at a time, ten at a time. The book of redemption. The book to eat. I want one of those. <laughs> no, you don't. It tastes sweet in the mouth, but it's bitter in the stomach. The record, a book of idle words. <laughs> yeah, that's a, uh, uh, yeah, that's, you can say all that other stuff, that book of idle words, is, I got about 15 oomphs out of that. That'll tell you something. And the last one that I saw that I could find was the book of rewards. 
Okay. Now this is my take on this because so many people get killed here. There is a sin unto death. It doesn't, doesn't keep you from heaven. But you get knocked off in this world. All right? I think the book referenced here, there is too much <clears throat> across the, 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 the Bible to think that it's the book of life. It's impossible. Even Christ says so. I will not blot your name out of the book of life. That's a double negative in the Greek. Oh, may. It's a double negative, which means I will not never, ever. There's no chance. It won't happen. Peter says the same thing in a different way uh, when he speaks about our inheritance in heaven, which cannot be removed. So the other thing is the book of, uh, the, book of the living. Now, that's an Old Testament reference. And I could see how I could see, for example, the 3,000 that got killed, you know. All of Israel was in the book of Israel. Not all of Israel was in the book of life. That becomes clear. But all of Israel was in the book of living if they lived. If they never existed, they're not there. <laughs> it's logical. So those are the books. Well, I could see three or four books here that they could have been in. <laughs> when they saw Moses was still alive, they probably registered some tears into the book of tears. Uh, well, I mean, you know, okay. Exactly. God don't like it. And so here's what Yahweh said. Whoever has sinned against me, I'll strike him from my book. Okay. Now that could, that could, you know, you can't, okay, all right. Book of life from before the foundation of the world. Can you strike anything from that book? No. It's there. So if you, if you can't strike from that book, it has to be another book. And I think it's the book of the living. That's what I think. And uh, you can, if you don't think that, you can apologize to me at the judgment seat of Christ. <laughs> uh, okay. So as long as nobody has heartburn over getting erased from a book, we'll go to the next page. Now go lead the people to the place of which I've spoken to you. Behold, my angel go before you. But on the day that I make accounting of sins upon them, I will bring their sin to the account against them. Then Yahweh struck the people with a plague because they had made the calf that Aaron had made. So if they were struck with a plague, did they, some of them die? You know, are those removed from the book of the living? All right, that's an interesting uh, that's an interesting, the most interesting thing is the origin of the Baptists, I guess. I don't know. Um, but there's some, there's some pretty deep thought and theology in, in, this, uh, in this chapter. We continue to be, we, yes, sir. What I like is God told Moses they was his people and they was going to God. Moses told God they was his people. <laughs> Early in my ministry, I got to tell you this. The, it was a small church and the pastor had taken this kind of small church. And I had a church like this once where the women came together on one day a week and they cleaned the church. 
So the pastor's wife joined them on that day of the week, every week, to clean the church. So they were having to do a lot of work that really wasn't necessary because the church didn't have a vacuum cleaner. And the pastor, I'm going to say her name, I forgot her name, I'm going to say her name was Linda, okay? I think her name name was actually Pat. Pat, I didn't want to say that, but if you'll let me say that, I'll say that. Okay, she whips me so much when we get home, I I don't want to have to take (laughs) I don't want to have to take another spanking. (laughs) So Pat said to the ladies, let's get a vacuum cleaner. This would be so much easier. Well, nobody was too fond of that idea, so Pat went and bought a vacuum cleaner. And the vacuum cleaner never worked right. (laughs) And from that day forward, it was called Pat's Vacuum Cleaner. It wasn't the church's. She gave it to the church. It was Pat's vacuum cleaner. So that's kind of like what happened here. It was Moses' people until they wasn't, or they were the Lord's people until they were Moses' people. Which, of course, said more about the responsibility that Moses had. He had a great, what a great privilege to be the one to stand in the presence of Yahweh, but what a great responsibility to go from Yahweh to the people, you know. All right, we'll stop there, and uh, God willing, we'll pick it up there next time. Let's pray. Lord, how we love your word and how it educates us in the ways uh, that you go and in your dealings with us. Father, we just pray that you'll help us to study more about you and learn more about you as we grow in our relationship with you through our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.